Hello, Masters in the Making. I'm your host, Mike Miller, and I want to welcome you to Simple Self Mastery. Simple Self Mastery is a self-help podcast dedicated to giving you the best in health, wealth, love, happiness, and a little peace of mind every single week. I am excited and honored to welcome our guest today, Greg McEwen. Greg is originally from London, England, and is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, and the founder of McEwen Inc., a company with a mission to teach essentialism to millions of people around the world. He is an accomplished public speaker, and his writing has appeared or been covered by the Fast Company, Fortune, HuffPost, Politico, Inc. Magazine, and Harvard Business Review. Greg, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you, Mike. It's a pleasure to have you. And Greg, before we move on, is there anything you want to add to spice up that intro? No, um, other than other than we have um, just celebrated my 18th wedding anniversary. Um, Congrats! So, uh, so it was that was delightful, and we have four children, and we and just uh, life is good. Uh, we just got a, We just got a new horse. That's uh, oh. we, we're not. We, we have, don't have a background in horses, but uh, so our life is is. Uh, it's really just wonderful. Fantastic. That's awesome. And speaking of that, like good energy and good vibrations, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. Like for you right now with all that great stuff going on, where is your energy going right going right now? Personally or professionally? Um, maybe a little bit of both, but uh, let's just to see where it takes us. Um, you know, professionally, I... Uh, I really feel that the focus I need to be on is to work uh, on a television show um, based on essentialism and taking these ideas to uh, a broader platform to be part of the big conversation. And uh, so that's really where I would say, you know, that seems to be the, the, the real priority focus. Uh, there are other interesting projects going on, but really that's the that's the game changer. And and we you know we're in it for the long for the long haul. These things take a long time. There's lots of ups and downs. This is uh, the industry is known for that sort of uh, experience. But uh, but that's really the thing to me. That's where my essential intent is right now. Awesome. And speaking of essentialism, you know I did some reading and a little background info preparing for this interview, but for people who aren't familiar with that concept, can you kind of break it down in a simple way for us? Um, there's, there's a problem for most people, which is that they are following a strategy that they didn't mean to follow. And the strategy is the undisciplined pursuit of more, uh, where we're stretched too thin at work or at home. We're busy but not productive. Uh, we are feeling our lives constantly hijacked by other people's agenda for us uh, or just constant disruption and interruption and noise. So that's the problem. Uh, people, people, didn't, people didn't wake up in the morning. I'm going to pursue a strategy that leaves me to be busy but not productive today. I mean, nobody intends for that. But that's the default strategy. So there's a name for that. I gave it a name. It's non-essentialism. And the antidote to that problem is essentialism 
or the disciplined pursuit of less, where you're relentlessly, continually um, identifying only the few things that really matter, uh, that are essential, eliminating what is non-essential so that you can build a system uh, for life that makes it as effortless as possible to do those things that you've already identified as being uh, being highly important. So that's the problem and the solution. That's what essentialism is built to do. Awesome. And so for when people, when you're working with people and teaching essentialism, where do you start? Is it really just a matter of sitting down and making a list of the things that are important to you? Or how do you really approach that? Um, well, there's a few different things that uh, I would say to that. That'd be the, the the first thing to do really is actually to see the level that the assumptions that we're holding on to the mindset that we have that supports the existing strategy. So, for example, um, key to non-essentialism is the idea that uh, everything, everything's important. Yeah, everything needs to be done. Everything everything matters so if everything matters then one then your reaction will automatically be okay then i've got to try and get it all done today that's my goal how can i fit everything in today um another core mindset of the non-essentialist is i just have to do things I, i don't really have a choice i have to do the things that are on my plate today i have to do these things Right. And so the first place to begin is to is to name and to examine those uh, ways of thinking. So, of course, people want to jump immediately to action. And there, there are things to do uh, that, are, that concrete actions should take. But but first really is a mindset shift. And the reason that's so important is because if you keep the existing mindset, everything's important. Uh, everything's essential. Um, I have to do it all. Um you know, my, my job in life is to shove it all in. If that's the core, um, you, you know, way of thinking, and then you try to teach essentialist practices, tricks and tips and ways of, uh, of working, if you keep the old mindset with a new set of behaviors, actually, you'll just start to more efficiently do things you shouldn't be doing at all. And that's really the big difference between essentialism and almost all of the productivity literature that's out there is that essentialism is not about doing more things. It's about doing more of the right things. So the first thing really is to 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 get out, to shine a light on this existing assumption and to unlearn it. So that to suddenly learn to get rid of that old mindset is actually the hardest single thing, in my opinion. The next thing is to say, okay, what's the, what in fact is the right mindset? What's the mindset that will take us forward? And the mindset is only a few things, a very few things are really essential. And sure. almost everything is non-essential. Almost everything is noise. A few things are supremely valuable, incredibly so. Uh, they will they they will they will they will last a long time they will last many years 
in their importance. Maybe the hundred years. These things are really, truly, vitally important. The vital few, and almost everything else is trivial. Once you discover that mindset, once that is is planted in your heart, in your mind, and becomes a living, breathing idea, your whole way of looking at life is shifted. Your whole way of behaving, even if I never shared one behavior with you, it, your behavior could shift in many of the right ways because suddenly you say, well, oh my goodness, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I thought I was shoveling, I thought I was in a coal mine, shoveling coal. I thought that was my life. That's what I was supposed to be doing in life. And now I say, oh, I'm in a diamond mine. Oh, the whole orientation of my life is now different. My, it isn't how much of this stuff I can shovel out. It's how can I carefully curate and discover those few things that are so supremely valuable. That's a totally different way of looking at life. Uh, and and that if you miss that with essentialism, if you jump past that, okay, what are some of the practices I can immediately start doing with my old non-essentialist mindset? It, it will it will never become what it can be. It, it will you you know have some right. Yes, it's of all. Of course, you can gain benefits. But go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I lost you a little bit there. Um, I was just about to say, you know, I really love that you mentioned changing that mindset as the first thing to do because I think a lot of times, and that goes for anything of value that we want to change in ourselves, we're held back by our limiting beliefs and these kind of beliefs that we're conditioned to fall into. And the idea of changing those before beginning the practice, I think, is so crucial. And I want to thank you for sharing that, as well as this awesome perspective of essentialism that we can use going forward. And, you know, speaking of beginnings and starting points, you know, Greg, for you, how did you really discover this path of essentialism? Where did this where did this story for you begin? Um, all stories seem to have multiple beginnings. There's lots of there's lots of backstories. Um, one that was really important was some years ago, I received an email from my manager at the time uh, that said Friday between one and two p.m. would be a very bad time for your wife to have a baby because uh, I need you to be at this client meeting. Um, my wife was expecting, of course, otherwise that'd be an even stranger email to receive. Uh, but, uh, but, but Thursday late in the middle of the night, that's when our daughter's born. We're all in the hospital Friday. We're there. We're sort of recovering. Everybody's fine enough. Um, but of course, everyone's also exhausted having just gone through this all, all night. And, and I'm feeling torn. How can I do both? How can I the boat, everything's important, all this important. That, you know, how can I keep everybody happy? As if everybody was equally important, as if these tasks were all equally important, and so on. And so to my shame, I went to the meeting. And um, afterwards, the manager said to me, oh, look, the client will respect you for the choice you made today. You know that, And, and the look on their faces didn't evince that sort of confidence to me. But, but even if they had, it's clear with any degree of hindsight at all, that I had made a fool's bargain. 
And, and that, that's on me. I mean, I learned the lesson. Uh, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. And it, it did lead me on to um, you know, the next chapter of, of a quest for me for why is it we do what we do? Why is it we violate? Why do we violate important things for less important things? I mean, that that goes to the heart of the matter. And so the the research I, you know, went on to do, uh, the, the practical work that I was doing, working with Silicon Valley companies, all of this uh, continued to uh, to explain and, and, and unfold what eventually I named and coined essentialism. Um, so that's sort of the, that's one of the important backstories. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of our listeners, myself included, can relate with that story that you shared because I feel a lot of times we're pressured to, to make a choice when everything feels important. So really getting to the heart of the matter and figuring out what is essential is a, a great perspective moving forward. And so, Greg, on your journey, inevitably, as you mentioned, you ran into challenger, challenges, I should say, and failures, successes, all of those awesome things and not so awesome things. But how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success or do you have a favorite failure of your own? Well, actually, the story I just shared, I think, is, um, you know, goes directly to your question. Right. Uh, out of that, I mean, something I believe firmly is that a person who can turn a negative into a positive uh, can never be defeated. So it's very much, life is very much about learning, learning from things that you've done, seeing mistakes that you've made, and then deciding, well, what's next? Um, not getting buried in, in the self-flagellation of, of an error, not being, um, you know, so, so consumer worry about the future that, that you, that you, you know, well, oh, you know what, now what will I do? You feel so Concerned about the future, but to just what's next? Let's uh, let's let's. This is what this is what's gone on. This is what we would like to achieve. What's the next thing I could do to move this thing forward? Um, and and out of you know out of that experience I described, I mean, so much so much good has come from that. So I've learned so much myself. I you know we've been able to um, you know prioritize. Well, first of all, prioritize my wife. That so she's the the undisputed priority relationship in my life. I mean, that really matters. And of course, you don't always get this right, but there are all sorts of trade-offs that I've been able to make since then, making my intentional strategy uh, explicit through trade-offs. You know, a stated strategy is not a strategy. <laughs> to say that you say, this is the goal and this is the important thing is is a good beginning, but it is not a strategy. Strategy is revealed in the trade-offs that you make. Mm. Strategy is trade-offs. So where your competitor is doing X, you're doing Y. That's a strategy. You're doing something different. And, and so it's been in the trade-offs that we've been able to make. I mean, I made a bad trade-off on that day. 
And, uh, and, and, but, but by the same token, you can then say, well, if I, w- if I can accept responsibility for that moment, if I can see that really that is me, you know, that that is entirely up to me, I could have made a different choice. And I chose this. When you face that, you are also empowered to realize, well, I can choose something different now. I don't have to do that again. I can choose a different path, make a different choice, make a different trade-off. And, and so there have been so many since then, all sorts of trade-offs where we've made very deliberate decisions together uh, to create space. For example, my wife and I have spent uh, time in doing personal quarterly offsites where we'll actually plan out in big picture what the big vision is uh, for where we're going in life, what the long-term goals are we're trying to achieve and uh, and and those those personal quarterly offsites have materially changed the direction of our life. Literally, where we're where we live, the kind of life we're trying to build, how we're raising our children, what what we want to accomplish professionally. I mean, all of that has been materially changed by having these these offsites where we're. Uh, where we're counseling together and thinking and, and, and getting above the noise of the now uh, and participating in those conversations. I mean, that, that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg of the things that of, of what has grown out of that mistake, which I now see much more clearly even than I did. I mean, even than I did when I wrote Essentialism, I see much more clearly. It's a, it, if it's not 100% my error, in that moment, it is close to 100%. I could have chosen something different. That's a, it can be a little hard to to really own things 100% in life sometimes, isn't it? It's, it's a little easier to say, well, yeah, this was me, but the other person did X. Right. You know, the other the other influence, well, it was me, but there were other factors that need to be considered. But there's such liberty, actually, in going, you know, it's just on me. I, therefore, I have the right to make a new choice now. And the next choice matters so much more than the past choice. <laughs> sure. There's so much more important what you do next than what you did yesterday, 10 years ago, before some previous mistake. What you do next going forward. Right. And I love that idea of, well, one, taking those offsets like you mentioned and planning into the future and figuring out what to do next, but also taking that responsibility of your choices and really putting that on you and and finally and realizing that it's up to you to make your choice and your decision for what's next. And so, Greg, we're going to transition a little bit here into what I like to call the moment of mastery, where you can share tips, resources, and insights directly to our listeners. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. What is one daily habit that contributes to your personal success? Um, I write a journal every day. I haven't missed in the last seven and a half years. I've had lots of iterations and versions of what I, how I use that journal. I carry it with me often. Uh, I write in it things that I'm grateful for at the end of every day because key is to celebrate every win. Every, not, not just every win, excuse me. Every essentialist win. To be able to sit and go, this thing mattered today. And to practice... Not just discerning whether something is important, as you might do in a to-do list in the beginning of a day, but at the end of the day to say, okay, of all the things that happened, which thing was the most important? And to celebrate it so that you don't get discouraged with the non-essential stuff that inevitably gets into our lives. 
so so that is a practice that that I find, uh, you know, and 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 over over the years I've I've been honing it so that if I only have enough time to write one item, I'm trying to identify what is the most essential thing that happened today, the most important memory I would wish to to hold on to or to pass down to future generations. So that's the, that's one practice. Fantastic. And and so with that, you know, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? Um, well, I think that, you know, I will, I mean, there's a few things depending on in what way I feel overwhelmed or unfocused, but one of the things I definitely will do is, 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 is pull out the journal sit and pause, maybe write down everything, get everything out of my head or the ram of my brain that's full of too many things, write it all down. But then don't start immediately doing the list. You know, writing it down is the right idea. And I think a lot of people do that when they feel overwhelmed, make the list. But the reason it works is that you create space between you and the work that you're the stuff that's in your mind. But then if you jump right back into it, really the the distance, the space you've created is quite minimal. And so I think it's no pause again, a little more, you know, look at the list, maybe go through it and actually prioritize it. Uh, people know, I think basically how to prioritize, but I don't think they're doing it. I think that actually what they're doing is they're just checking their phones again mm. and they're reacting to the next email. And if they do make a list, they're just then reacting to their own list. And so in that way, you can get into a into a uh, quite quite a non-essentialist cycle where you're reacting to reactions and other people's reactions and their reactions. And then suddenly you you can find yourself very, very much off course just through these small and unintended uh, digressions in life. Um, and so and so just prioritizing that list then seems to be like number two thing. But then. One more piece to then pause again, meditate, pray, even very, even for a very small cycle. Just pause, listen, go back to your prioritization. Did you get it right? Is number one really the most important thing you need to do today? Is it really the thing that at the end of the day you'll identify as being, you know, essential? And, and just to make sure that's right again, to identify the priority Right. That's awesome. There you go. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think it's so important to really truly identify like you're like you're sharing that priority and that win for the day. And Greg, what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? Or what are one to three books that have greatly impacted your life? I can talk about that in the present tense. Um I, I, I just, you know, I mean, one of the books I read all the time is uh, I, I read the Book of Mormon all the time. I find that full of light. Um, I I just finished reading uh, the John Adams biography, which I'm quite proud to say is 850 pages long wow. by David McCullough. When that almost was over, I felt real um, quite quite melancholy about it i mean it's felt happy okay we've got this done it's a pretty major biography to get through um but it become like a friend to me to learn about reading 
reading is to think with another person's mind. And if you can read classics and wisdom literature, then you're reading with the greatest minds that yeah. have ever lived. So the opportunity is, in terms of leverage, there are very few things that are higher leverage activities than reading deeply from wisdom literature and classic literature. I, I know of very few things that, um, that, that I would recommend higher as, as daily practices so that you can rise above. I mean, the trade-off is, is this. It's, it's less, um, it's less social media and news updates, which so often these days are sort of gossip. You're reading gossip because it has to be written so fast and there's so little time to get deep information or analysis. So you're reading a sort of gossip, you know, news. Right. And um, trade off a portion of that for classic wisdom literature. I mean, that, that, that's a trade off no one will regret. At the end of our lives, we'll not go back, oh my goodness, I should have just been on social media more. I should have just spent more time, you know, reading the latest uh, breaking news update. I mean, sometimes these breaking news is this person said that's the breaking news. That's where we right. stopped what we were doing to get to. I mean, this is this is not valuable use of our time. So that's a trade-off I would I'd highly recommend. Um, you know, so many other books. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, it's t- just a terrific book in terms of... Uh, meaning in life and um yeah and i i, I could go on <laughs> anna karenin as well worth a read uh you know the, these are i i'm encouraging my we, we uh my we we decided to actually homeschool our children we we're on a adventure with them and the eldest last year was taking a literature course she read more classic literature in that year than I did in my whole education growing up. Wow. Uh, she really read an enormous amount and of, of just fine, fine literature. But how much better is that than, uh, than spending that time just tri- you know, with the trifles, the yes. trivial many that we, that we get? Okay, next. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the... Um idea that you mentioned of reading is thinking with another person's mind that's such a, a valuable insight and it's so true you know I, I read all the time and it's it's really like you mentioned a really great leverage to uh, move forward with and speaking of school what what advice would you give to a smart driven college student about to enter the real world um You know, I. One thing I think I would say is it's gonna it's it's gonna work out. It'll, it, it all works out. If if you if you raise your sights, if you fix it on on the the most worthy intent that you currently can aspire to, it all works out. Keep moving towards it. Keep keep learning. Keep being open. But but pursue your highest contribution. 
instead of just the, 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 the you know the quickest career uh, the, the, the career just the next career move and both are important actually both are really important but but don't if you just do one there are, there are a lot of principles in life that are only true if they're done together so they can be very opposing principles, but when you put them together, they that's really when they become the most true. One is, okay, think about, you know, be focused on the, on this moment and what to do next. And that's a very, that's a very um, adaptable way of living. You're starting your career out. Okay. What's the, what's the job? How am I going to get paid my first paycheck so I can get moving? That actually is very sensible if it's connected with this, very counter idea of like very long-term intent. What is the highest, noblest contribution you believe you could make? Something beyond yourself, something bigger than yourself, something uh, something significant uh, that stretches your imagination, that bursts the bounds of what you believe is possible. Uh, if you can hold the tension between those ideas, uh, then you then the practical requirements. And needs of each day will will help your vision to mean something because it, it has to be translated. And, and and if you hold on to your high highest vision and sense of mission and purpose, it will elevate your decisions and your wise for doing uh, that you've had in the past. So I think it's uh, it's how do you combine both of those? That's what I would say. Awesome, love it. And finally, Greg, where's the best place our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you do? You know, I've answered this in a few ways. and You're probably not, you know, probably don't want the answer I'm about to give. But I just think, I just think people should just go and just read Essentialism. And even if they've read it before, they should go back to it. I go back to it. It's a disciplined pursuit. And that that's what I think. Um you know, I always apologize for my weakness in, in the writing of it. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I wrote a, a, a great book, but but I, I feel confident that I addressed a great issue. And uh, and the, the, the issue is so relevant and, and the cost is so high to taking the, the, the path most traveled by right now and, and the default path. And, and essentialism is... Is uh, is really arguing for as as weak as I am in my own ability to express it, a a a very different path, and a path that you know we might regret a lot of things when by the end of our lives. You know, sure we will all regret things by the end of our lives, but I don't think that choosing to become an essentialist will be one of the things we regret. I just don't see that being the issue. Um, and so, and so I would really just encourage people to go back there and to read it and to, and to have their own adventure, uh, with, with, uh, with, with the ideas and with these principles, I feel confident, a confident now, now growing a grown confidence because I've watched what people can do with it. And the people that really get into it and discover it, find that there actually is a life changing, uh, path that essentialism can offer and uh, and I'm on that adventure too and I'm failing day after day and trying to implement it but but I feel like it is in fact really the work of life so that's why I think people should join me in the journey 
in actually living, reading it and living essentialism. Awesome. Mass is the making. Go check out Greg, his work. Go check out Essentialism. We'll post some links to that in the show notes page of today's episode. And go check out simpleselfmaster.com. Type in Greg's name in the search, and it will show you over to that show notes page for links, resources, timestamps, and an overview of what Greg and I discussed today. Greg, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with all of us here at Simple Self Mastery. You mastered the mic and shared a ton of value. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode of Simple Self Mastery, please show your support by subscribing, leave a five-star rating, and a review. It is my honor and privilege to provide you with high-value, free content five days a week, and I'd be humbled by your support. Keep learning, keep listening, and keep working towards your own personal self-mastery. Thanks, and we'll catch you later.